Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Joining me here with the ambiance of the U.S. Open, you've got you've got planes flying overhead. You've got some music here in the square. Brian Shelton, father and coach of Ben Shelton, who's, who's about to walk past us, and I wonder if he's going to mock one of the two of us. It'll more than likely be me if he happens to see us. I would think so. He seems <laughs> to light up when you're around. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time because I know you don't always do a lot of podcasts, but I really appreciate it. Um, how has this transition? back into the pro world how's it been for you i mean it's it's been a lot of fun you know um before you know as a professional you know player you know it was all about me yeah and so obviously my life has changed you know once you have kids and you start coaching and working with other players and juniors and college players and things like that all of a sudden the emphasis shifts from you to them and uh and i like it that way you know so for me to be able to shift my my focus on to Ben and really help him through this transitional phase of his career yeah pretty special you know I I can I can put my coach hat on and it's pretty special and then I put my dad hat on (laughs) and it's pretty special you know so yeah I've wanted to talk to you about that for a, a long time because in the first few months when Ben was out on tour he had Chris and and I think I also happened to be one of those guys he kind of needed somebody there with him who wasn't uh, no uh, Dean obviously is fantastic don't get me wrong but it's also a coach and I think he kind of needed some maybe a little bit of an older person who's not a coach at the time correct and he talked to me a lot during that stretch about how you tried to balance those two roles and I, I I never could quite understand it since I'm not listening to those conversations but how do you switch so that the right hat is on at the right time yeah, I think that there's some basic principles that, you know, that we have and things that we value. And those principles apply to fatherhood. They apply to just being a good person and trying to do the things that are right. It applies to being a good coach and working with players and helping them understand the things that are most important. So 
that's pretty standard all day, every day stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's just a ma- the, the amount that we talk about tennis and figuring out how to balance that piece out so that we don't over, you know, put too many things on one side of the scale than right. the other. So I think it's just finding that balance. And I can read Ben very, very well. And I can tell when he's open and, and wanting to have some information and some yeah. dialogue back and forth. And I can also tell when he's like, you know, he, he puts up this this red stop sign. And it's yeah. like, okay, don't approach, you know. And I kind of can read those signals pretty well yeah. now. It's, you know, obviously how difficult some parent relationships have been. What impressed me most was the utmost respect that Ben has for you, which is obviously pretty rare because I deal with a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Sure. and. <laughs> They're not talking in glowing terms about their father. And I imagine that is probably the more special thing than anything, is that you've raised a, a son, yeah. and I'm sure it's the same with Emma, who really respect who you are. Yeah, I think, um, you know, my parents taught me the things that are most important in life, and we've, my wife Lisa and I, we've tried to pass that on to our children. We had such good examples as kids ourselves, parents that stuck together, that raised a family, that did the hard work that it takes to, you know, with Marnie, yeah. you know, it just, it takes a lot and it's a daily thing to really be able to, to really impact in a positive way and influence. And then you've got to learn how to let go, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part for us as well is like looking and watching our kids fail sometimes and not trying to bail them out all the yeah. time, you know, on the court or in life. It's, it's really important that they learn how to pick themselves up and, and take some ownership for themselves and so I think that balance is really important I think that's helped us with our kids on top of it you have in Ben a pretty mature young man for as young as he is despite the fact he didn't travel internationally how, how much do you think playing other sports having a balance in his life that wasn't just tennis from the age of 12 how important was that in, in his development I think it was huge you know I think going to regular school you know, and, and, yeah. and having to listen to teachers and having to, to keep your mouth shut at certain times <laughs> and getting in trouble and everything else that comes along with school and having to be disciplined, having to do your assignments on time and having to be prepared for tests to take at a specific time rather whenever you want to. <laughs> um, you know, there are a lot of parameters there that you yeah. learn to live by, you know, as a kid. And I think all those things were good. And then you know, it's just the way that we were able to structure certain things, certain yeah. parts of their life, I thought was really, really good for their development. Um, I asked, I texted Ben yesterday, said I was going to be interviewing you. And I said, outside of your parenting and what you've done with him, what's the most impressive thing? And he specifically pointed to the national title of Georgia Tech. Um, and, and first national title for Georgia Tech as in a team sport taking that program from nothing to something. Walk us through that stretch after after your professional career, going the coaching route and those first few years really establishing a program from nothing. Yeah, I think, you know, again, you know, you try to, I don't have any original material. <laughs> you know, as much yeah, as but- I'd like to say that I do, <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I've had great mentors in my life, you know, from the tennis side, Bill Tim. He's been a mentor of mine since I really got into this game and taught me that character and doing things the right way is most important. And so trying to build a program at Georgia Tech, we really 
made that the foundation of the program. Mm -hmm. We'd be kind of a program that that was a championship program, but it's going to happen because of the character that we exhibit every single day in practice, when we're away from the courts, when we're playing matches, and how we respect the game, and we respect one another, and we work together, and all the principles that are really, really important. And so being able to try to put those things together for the first time as a yeah. coach, a lot of trial and error, right. a lot of mistakes, a lot of screw-ups, you know, but along the way learning the lessons that I needed to learn to kind of help grow the program and help others grow and get better and and really putting the focus in on others and I yeah. think that that's something that I've always felt like I'm pretty good at pretty good servant leader yeah versus someone who's just yelling and screaming and telling people this is my way or the highway type yeah, of thing right. I really want to be a teacher and help them to learn how to take responsibility and so the girls that I worked with I was very very fortunate to work with girls that were very attention you know to detail oriented um, good students um, wanted to learn wanted to keep a journal wanted to keep up with the things that they were doing well and make sure they continue to do those things and recognize the places where they fell a little bit short and needed to improve and as a program it was so satisfying to be with kids like that that worked every day the right way and really wanted to get better and we kept recruiting from the Midwest and that was that was a big key for us. Why? We got the Midwest blue collar kids that couldn't play tennis year round, maybe couldn't afford it because of the indoor court okay. time and things like that, that once they came to school and got the opportunity to play year round, yeah. they valued it. They valued the opportunity. They valued the time on the court. They valued the coaching. They valued the opportunity to play for something bigger than themselves. And so we found a niche that really worked at Georgia Tech and we just kept riding that yeah. over and over and over again with players like Christy Miller and Amanda McDowell and on and on and on, Kirsten Flower and, and many, many more. And so we were able to tap into the right type of kids that fit our program. As your college coaching developed, and especially the last few years at Florida, was it harder to find players, recruits, who bought into that type of philosophy when there is so much focus, social media, et cetera, on oneself. Yeah, that kind of started towards the end of my time at Georgia Tech and uh, not something that we dealt with in the early years, but in the latter stages, it started to become a little bit more apparent that people were starting to pay attention to things outside the court yeah. and, and uh, things that didn't really matter as much. And so, you know, that's that's always the challenge, right? When, yeah. when the kids lose their focus or, or worry about things that they can't control, and then all of a sudden it starts to create doubt in their own brains. Yeah. And when you have doubt, it's really tough. Yeah. Just like when you have belief, you can do almost anything. Were there players that you would choose not to recruit based on social media posts or maybe things you might have heard about how, if you will, selfish they were? Absolutely. You know, I think it's, it's really a process in really bringing in the right type of people into a program. Because not only are you working with them one-on-one, -on -one, but they're working with everyone else on the team as well. Yeah. And so you, you try as much as you possibly can to do your homework to make sure you're bringing in. But there's some, there's some red flags we see out there uh, as coaches. And it's just really important that we understand if we go in that direction, there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be some challenges yeah. along the way that are sometimes hard to overcome. What have you missed most in the first few months of of being away from campus? You know, just the guys and the coaches that I work with on a daily basis. Yeah. 
you know, it, it's fun being out here and getting to know the players out here, getting to know the coaches. And, you know, at first, you know, it's hard to get a smile from some people. Yes. And I told Ben, I was like, don't worry, I'm going to break him down until he starts smiling and laughing and talking with us. And so that's been kind of a fun challenge for me yeah. because you see these groups together with their teams and sometimes they don't even want to give eye contact. But I'll walk up, you know, and stand right in front of them and shake their <laughs> hand and introduce myself. And the next time I see them, they'll, they'll yeah. smile. Yeah. And uh, so it's trying to break down some of those walls, one person at a time. And it's, it's one of the fun challenges that I have out here. Um, something that's a little bit different, yeah. you know, as opposed to dealing with my team that I love so much that I brought in the coaches like Coach P and Matt Clore and the others that I've worked with that are really family, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it's like, now we're trying to create a family out here. You know, we've got a team around Ben, but also want to try to impact this whole tour in a positive way. Um, we were talking last week on our podcast, myself and Noah Rubin, specifically about the fact that right now the biggest and most engaging stars in the states happen to be african-american coco ben chris yeah. francis yeah. are the ones that are really drawing those people yeah. and you just mentioned that idea of smiling yeah all four of those people are people when they are smiling having a good time on court you see it and people are drawn to it carlos alcaraz is very similar that yes. same way right how do you teach that to a young player, say 14, 15, 16, to make sure that that enjoyment component is still a very big part of their game? Yeah, I think it's, it's how you practice, it's how you train, it's how you interact with people, you know, before the practice sessions or the matches ever even get started. Mm. And you want to create an environment where people love being there. They love walking through the door. So anytime you greet somebody, the first time you see them in the day, how does that, how's that interaction work? Is there a smile? Is there laughter? Is there, is there you asking them questions about how they're doing and what's yeah. going on with them and, and really developing that relationship where they understand that's more than just the tennis. Tennis is something we do. It's not exactly who we are. Yeah. And so making sure you're able to differentiate the two and be able to just really go to your, go to your job and show them how much fun it really is. Yeah. Because when they see you having fun, they see the excitement that you have and yeah. the energy that you bring. Yeah. It's infectious. Yeah. When I've had great players like Oliver Crawford or McLean mm. Kessler that have come through my program that just have this energy and this bounce and this joy, it spreads. Yes. You know, like wildfire. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm telling Ben is like you have an opportunity to really make a huge impact on this sport and in this world, you know, because you're visible because of that smile. You're visible. Yes, you have talent and you have ability and you have a game that's going to continue to get better and better. But the other intangibles that you bring to this thing are, are outstanding. So yeah. you got to definitely continue to enjoy the game, continue to have fun, continue to interact with people, you know. So we'll talk about Ben's development here in a second, but it was interesting to note you just practiced with Andy Murray a few seconds ago. <laughs> who shows his passion in a different way. He does. Uh, but also somebody who draws people because of that passion, yes. even if it's more of a if yes. you will, negative one. But on top of it, as soon as that match is over, he is a human being of the utmost character. He really is, you know? And, and everybody deals with stress and pressure in different ways, but you, you always would rather have to tame somebody 
to bring them in a little bit, then try to create that energy, try to create that passion, try to create that competitive spirit. And you can never question Andy Murray's competitive yes. spirit. I mean, the guy's walking around with steel in his hips and, you know, it's just unbelievable that this guy's this passionate about the game that he yeah. loves so much that he continues to push through yeah. and play at such a high level. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to Dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Ben, because yeah. you and I, we had a conversation, and I, I hope you don't mind me bringing up our Chicago conversation. Uh, so you were doing national team indoors with Florida. I was there covering it, and it was right after the, the quarterfinal run in, in Melbourne. And we just kind of had this talk about the fact that he's probably, at the time, 75 in the world is where he probably should be and all of a sudden he's top 35 whatever whatever it might and it's just he's gone through it this year I mean it's been a huge change to his world new ball every week new city that he's never been to new continents he's never been to and obviously the results have not been what I think people expected after that quarterfinal run how has he and this is my limited interaction with him how has he remained very focused on the big picture while having a lot of these little micro losses along the way. Yeah, I think, you know, what's different about Ben is that, you know, he has a winner's mentality. He believes that he belongs at the top of this game, and he, and he really believes that he'll get there. Mm -hmm. And so every stumbling block along the way this year, he's really tried to take each one and learn something from it. And I know that because we talked through it, you know, and we talked through <laughs> yeah. it after the matches, maybe not right after. <laughs> he, he needs maybe a day, you know, to, to just be a little bit upset before he's ready to, to jump in there. Yeah. But every single time he's willing to jump in, he's willing to go through the video. He's willing to go back and go back to work. And it's been fun to see just this relentlessness that he has because it's easy when things are going well, you know, to put a smile on your face and to go to work and to just enjoy what you're doing. But when you're having to lose a little bit more than you're accustomed to losing and trying to figure things out on the run, and it's gonna certainly dent your confidence a little bit from time to time in that moment. And, and that's happened at times, but the guy just keeps coming back, you know? And I think that's the really thing that I'm most proud of is just his resilience and his willingness to keep coming back and trying to learn something and understand that, hey, it is, it is a longer race. I'm only 20 years old. Yeah. A lot of good things have happened to me over the last three years that are just like gifts from God, really. <laughs> and so when all of a sudden I have to deal with some adversity, yeah. if anyone should have to deal with some, it should be me. Yeah. And I think that's his mentality is like, 
if anyone should have to deal with a little bit of tough times, it should be me mm. after all the blessings that I've been, yeah. been, been laid in front of me these last three years. Everything he's touched has turned to gold. <laughs> and so I think it's such a good thing for him and his growth and his development yeah. to have to rough it a little bit, yeah. you know, and, and not to win multiple matches week after week. And, you know, he's had a hard time stringing two wins together in a row. You know, he wins first round, beats a very good player, loses second round, may lose first round the next week. And then you've got six days to wait till the next yes. opportunity. And patience has been tested at times, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I think that the people that have been around him, Dean, myself, uh, Daniel is physio, strength coach, you know, Lang at the USTA and yeah. other people that support him and our family members, we all stand behind him knowing that, hey, it's a long-term process. It's something that you just can continue to work on and continue to develop and you'll get there. And when you get there, there's still going to be more things to improve, you know? <laughs> yes. So, so technically, what, what have been the biggest points of emphasis for you? Because in my, my brain, the return still has some, some development to get him into some more, more points. I mean, obviously, the serve, the volley has continued to improve. But it yes. feels like the return is that big component that once it clicks that's where things can be really fun. Yeah, I think I think it's it's pretty obvious, right? That that's an area he's going to have to continue to work on and spend a lot of time on and we are. And um, you know, it's the, there's the tactical part, you know, how deep is he going to position himself based on the server? Um, is he going to go with the block return? Is he going to hit through the return? Is he going to be very aggressive on second and try to take it and come to the net? Is he going to stand deep and get into the point? So you know, it's hard when you're doing multiple things yes. to be great, and over it takes time, you know? And so we're not limiting him with just one thing. It's trying to work on multiple things with the return of serve, and, and it's, gonna be, it's gonna take some time, yeah. you know? And, um, and so patience is just our friend, you know? We just keep plodding along. What he's doing with his serve has taken time as well. He's, now he's able to pitch a better match. Yeah. He's not relying on just a fastball. He understands that he can set guys up with different serves, and then when the big points come, he doesn't have to hit the biggest or best. He's got them set up in a way that he can play at 80% and be very effective. Can we get there on the return of serve as well, where he's managing that really well, where he has command of his different returns, where he yeah. can play to good, good spots on the court and that put him in good position to start the point on his terms a little bit more or that allow him to get into neutral a little bit quicker? That's what we're working on. That's what we're working towards there. The one thing I've talked about in multiple podcasts before that sticks with me most about Ben, aside from his character, um, his, his interaction with my daughter still is going to be the one that sticks with me forever. But <laughs> Tiburon first round last year, and I know you weren't there, but he, he committed to this idea of serve and volley every single first serve, even if he was going to lose the match. I, yeah. I don't even remember who he played, but he 7-6 in the third tie break and he stuck with it because he knew he needed to work on the serve and volley right that showed me something about that understanding of big picture versus the, the little things right? right the little one day win or loss right it's amplified though at this this level when when do you expect or when do you think he will be quote-unquote fully formed <laughs> wow um that's a that's a great question you know i think that fully formed in the ability that he can play at 80 percent and be super effective out here on tour that's yeah. what we're looking towards you know and i think it's going to take 
another couple of years before he's at that place where he feels competent all in all areas of the court, you know, and um, and even then there will always be things that he can continue to get better at, you know, so fully formed, never, you know, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll continually work to get better in all areas, you know, and continue to improve and evolve as a player. His serve is outstanding right now. Can it be more accurate? Absolutely. You know, when he hits it, goes for a target, his variance is still a little bit large, mm. but he can get away with it because he can make that ball do tricks. He can make it yeah. move left to right, low, high, you know, come into you, go away from you, um, and change the speeds. And now he's becoming a master of, of that serve. And so hopefully he can do that in a lot of other areas of his game as well as time goes on. But uh, like I said, it's just time and pressure, you know, oh as God. he continues to work on these things. You played here, I believe it was seven times, okay. I, I think is what, what I read in the bio. Um, how has it changed um, in terms of when you were playing versus how it is now? I mean, it's Sunday and it's absolutely packed. We're not even playing matches today. And then, and then I guess, what are your favorite memories of playing here as well? You know, I remember coming here, you know, one of my very first U.S. Opens. I, I, I won my first round match. I qualified, won my first round. and. I remember I was getting ready for my second round match with Jimmy Connors, and I remember hitting some balls on on the stadium court and walking off the court. And as I'm walking off, Arthur Ashe is walking wow. towards me, and stops and you know and offers some some advice you know yeah. on the match. And I just thought this is the coolest thing ever. You know, <laughs> my very first racket was the Arthur Ashe Comp Two head head racket, and you know he was a big part of the reason that I got into tennis. You yeah. know, watching him and what he did in the game and. Um, and the way he did it so gracefully. And so that that day and playing Jimmy Connors on stadium court that night. Was that's that during the, that year? Yes, it, it was. was. Okay. It was. And so that was, that was really, really special. Um, and, you know, I think the things that have changed around this place are just, there's just so many more people here, you know? <laughs> I mean, I look at the qualifying over the last few days and yeah. courts are all packed and the grounds are packed and, you know, there's just so many things for the fans to, to do, and they can go watch the practices and pretty up close to the practices. And, you know, I think that's really neat, the interaction and being mm -hmm. able to, to see what these pros do on a daily basis and how they prepare for, for a Grand Slam and, and really kind of be able to watch that up and close. And the player facilities and areas nice. are outstanding, you know. And um, so it's definitely, you know, the gyms and everything they have set up for the players to, to really be able to be at their very best throughout this event. It's pretty special. Arthur Ashe, obviously, what, what he did, 60s, 70s, can't be overstated. Is there still the capability for somebody in our sport to have that much of a social impact nowadays? Absolutely. You know, I think that everything's so visible now, you know, and... If a player has the personality that other people are attracted to, that can inspire others at the same time, um, someone that kind of can trans transcend the sport, you know, I, I think that it's it's certainly within the the realm, you know, of mm. possibility that we could see someone that could come in here and really make an impact on this world. Uh, I think Coco is, is doing it, you know. Yeah. I think she's becoming that person, you know, um, that just is super, super special, yeah. you know. And she's got great character. Uh, she's got a great presence. Um, you know, she's got a family behind her. She's, yeah. got, she's got a team behind her. 
Um, you know, I just think that she's set herself up, and to see her have success this summer the way yeah. that she has is, I mean, it's deserving. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's anyone working harder than she is. And I think Ben spending a good amount of time with her as well, sharing an agent, I think, in, in my view, from having talks with him about certain social issues, I can, I can sense he's not quite comfortable being there yet. Right. But I can sense that he's with the right people, Chris, Coco, who are going to allow him to figure it out on his own terms and yeah, get to that point. I think so. You know, I think that, you know, right now, as a 20-year-old in this, in this world, everything kind of turned upside down, mm -hmm. only being in college for two years, then being out here and kind of being thrust into it the way he has been. He hasn't come in, like, just kind of in tiptoed in. All of a sudden, <laughs> he's in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open yeah. with so many more commitments and responsibilities. And as he learns how to manage his time and his energy a little bit better, I think his voice will increase. And I think he'll really understand the, the things that he really wants people to hear him say. Um, and that takes time and growth yeah. and maturity. But I always say, listen first. You got two ears and one mouth. Yes. You know, I, my dad told me that, that, you know. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, be slow to talk, you know. And when you do have something to say, make sure it's something that's going to make everyone else around you yeah. better. So my, my last question, because I, yeah, I actually have a heart out here for a, for a meeting, which is great. Um, <laughs> two hours of a meeting. I'll cut that out. Um, I asked, so I, I texted two other people who know you well, Blair Henling and, and Amir Delic. Oh, nice. Um, Amir, one great of my, people. my favorite people from, from back in the day. Mine I, too. I ran his website, teamdelic.com, for a couple of years. Nice. Um, Shout out to Amir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked both of them just, you know, what, what, what about Brian stands out to you? Blair first says, I was never going to go to Georgia Tech. But that man got me on a visit to, to Georgia Tech in a city I wouldn't have gone to, a school I wouldn't have gone to because of the quality of human being and because he, his belief in me. And Amir said to me that what has always stood out was your ability to have compassion in the hardest moments. That ability to, when you have a, a really tough thing to say to somebody on your team, you're going to do it directly and with compassion. How hard is that to do nowadays when you're working with young people and how how do you keep that compassion side while still being direct because so many kids who are coming up 18 19 have been told yes their whole life how do you say no in a way that gets through with compassion and empathy yeah i think that the the biggest thing that i think i try to do as a coach and as a as a person is really try to lift others up so that's typically what my motivation is always try to help others grow and develop and and build their confidence and self-esteem and so but at the same time the the way to learn is usually through your mistakes and so I've always thought well that's a great opportunity if you do it the right way with the right motivation behind it mm. you should be able to talk about those things that are most difficult because those are going to be the opportunities where growth can really happen at a at a major level mm. And so for me, it's like, don't shy away from those moments. Those are the moments that really matter, yeah. you know? And so, so, yeah, it's not always easy, but life's not easy, you know? And the road less traveled is less traveled for a reason. Yeah. If you want to really get to the top, you're going to have to sometimes go down that road. Yeah. And you're going to have to face the challenges, and you're going to have to ante up. And if you're willing to do that and you help them understand that, it's really important for them yeah. to be able to do that and you're doing it out of love and respect 
and because you care, then they respect it because they know why you're doing it because you've already developed a relationship with them. So they understand that it's more than just a win or a loss. And I think that's probably true in parenting as well, isn't it? Absolutely. It's hard. It is hard. hard. (laughs) It's really, really, really hard. No doubt about that, Mike. (laughs) Thank you for your time. You got Um, it. You're one of those guys that uh, I will always make time for. I appreciate that because I, I said it in my last podcast with Ben as well. Him shrinking himself to Marnie's level when they first had an interaction, man, it just doesn't happen very often. And him like lowering to, to make sure he had an eye-to-eye conversation with a eight-year-old child, yeah. that, that shows the quality of person. And I, I know I've said it to you before, but that's credit to you and Lisa. It's a credit his. to you, Mike, and you don't, you don't ever want to say it, but the respect that everyone in this community, our tennis community has for you and what you do and the, the professionalism that you bring to this and how you've exposed things in such a positive light for all of us is the, the reason why you'll always have people saying yes oh, to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, get some wins this week. Let's get and it. I think it'll, I think it'll have an impact. Yeah, all thanks. Right, thank you. Appreciate it, Mike. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.